Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast, providing news and insights to the Milwaukee business community. In this episode, our podcast partner, Beth Ridley, with The Brimful Life, interviews David Lee, CEO of the Startups, Arts, and Culture nonprofit, Imagine MKE. In this episode, you'll get great career advice, leadership advice, and arm wrestling advice. Let's listen in. Welcome to the Brimful Life podcast series, where we make business personal by getting to know the inspiring business leaders you should know. I chat with them about their leadership journeys and lessons learned along the way. I'm your host, Beth Ridley, owner of career and culture wellness company, The Brimful Life, that helps leaders increase employee engagement, improve team dynamics, and build inspiring and inclusive cultures. Visit thebrimfullife.com to learn more. So this is an exciting episode because we recorded it live at the PodFest event that took place at No Studios recently. My guest was David Lee, CEO of the startup arts and culture nonprofit, Imagine MKE. From screenwriter to chef, actor to investment banker to nonprofit leader, David's professional journey has been eclectic to say the least. But through it all, being interested, curious, and willing to learn have been keys to David's success and what has ultimately led him to his current role that is practically tailor-made for him. Let's listen. Uh, The Brimful Life with Beth Ridley, who's going to be interviewing her guest, David Lee, who's the CEO of Imagine MKE. So I'll let Beth take it away. Thank you so much. How's everyone doing? Are you enjoying PodFest? All right. I have to say, I really enjoyed Damn Near 30, but now Damn Near 50 is going to show them how it's done. <laughs> Too much? <laughs> that, that, damn Near 50 is your, is your game, right? I, oh. I'm Damn Near on the right side of 40. Okay. Well, sure. We'll go with that. All right. Let me do my introduction here. So... Um, I'm the host of the Brimful Life podcast series. I like to say I make business personal by getting to know inspiring business leaders that you should know. I chat with them about their leadership journeys and lessons learned along the way. Uh, I am the owner of the Brimful Life, which is a career and cultural wellness company. So I help leaders increase employee engagement, improve team dynamics, and build inspiring and inclusive cultures. Go to thebrimfullife.com to learn more. So I'm all about interviewing leaders who achieve business success, but by investing in culture and investing in people and talent. And so my guest today is David Lee, who does that in spades. And I'm super excited to get to know David live at the same time all of you are getting to know him because David, you have such an eclectic background, so I'm curious to know all of your different decisions that led to your different um, jobs and careers, and I think anyone who is thinking about transitioning from their current career maybe into something else will get a lot of wisdom and inspiration and insight from our conversation. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So. Right now, the job that you have is you are CEO of this startup nonprofit called Imagine MKE. Your offices are right upstairs. But what does the nonprofit do, and what could just the average person in Milwaukee see or expect to be different because of the existence of this nonprofit? Sure. So, Imagine MKE is basically the arts and culture chamber of commerce for our city. 
up until the um, creation of our organization, Milwaukee was the largest organization, or I'm sorry, the largest city in America that didn't have a similar organization doing sort of the local arts coordinating for the city. And I think the impacts are pretty clear, right? Our city and county invests about $600,000 worth in grants every year, whereas a peer city such as Cleveland invests $12 million a year in its arts and culture organizations. Similarly, our state is 48th in funding for public arts funding um, of all 50 states in the nation. Um, and there has not been the coordinated uh, single voice to sort of tell that story for our incredible uh, pantheon, panoply of arts and culture organizations in our city from the downtown arts organizations like the art museum, the repertory theater, the ballet, which are all world class. If you all haven't engaged with them, you ought to, but also our neighborhood groups, right? Like the professional non-equity or non-union um, organiza uh, theater companies, dance organizations doing stuff throughout our city. Um, we have an incredible art city and people don't know. And yeah. so I think the, the impact or the change with us having just started is you're gonna start knowing and you're gonna start feeling it. Awesome, so you're gonna make an incredible arts and culture, arts and culture scene in Milwaukee even more incredible. And I will have to say, I do think those of us who live here take it for granted, because I lived in New York City for 10 years and I loved the performing arts scene there. And so when I moved here, I thought I was really gonna miss it. And I like to say Milwaukee has everything New York has. So we've got professional sports teams, we've got a thriving performing uh, arts uh, scene, enough really cool restaurants, plus parking. <laughs> it's so we super win. easy to access, yeah, right? And totally. it's also, everything's world class, which is super incredible. Yeah, I just think we take it for granted. Or we just don't recognize how We don't really know, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that, that's part of our, our job, right? Is to really turn up the volume of all of the great stuff that's happening throughout the city. Love it, turn up the volume. All right, so that's your job now. You've only been in that role for uh, a couple months, I would say. 120-ish days. No one's counting. No one's counting. Um, but here's the thing. So before that, you were executive director of Feeding Wisconsin, another nonprofit, but totally different focus mission. Yep. So like, um, how did you transition from food focus to arts and culture? What lessons did you learn from your previous job that you think are applicable? Like, how did you sell yourself in that interview? <laughs> sure. So that's a great question. Um, I've spent the last 10 years of my life fighting hunger up until the moment when uh, this job sort of found me, right? And I think, so I've been asked this question a lot, right? You go from, so, you go from a, a job that is uh, sort of doing something as vital as fighting hunger, ensuring that people have enough healthy, nutritious food to eat, no matter where they live, um, to doing um, arts advocacy, right? So maybe a little bit higher on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But to me, um, I would say that Food and art are the two things that humans have historically made from the beginning of time that make us fundamentally human, right? So you go back to the beginning of time, people had to figure out how to grow and cook food in order to survive, and also how to like make sense of our lives, right? And they did that through art. And so for me, I think they're, the, the skills are, are, are kind of the same, right? We're talking about important, vital needs that help to make us human. I think the, um, functionally, and this is the less inspiring part, right? Functionally, leading a state association of food banks, we were basically leading, um, we were the, the, the trade association for the nonprofit food banks in our state. So we 
represented six regional food banks that represented a thousand local food pantries across the state. Together, we were the largest hunger fighting organization in Wisconsin. Similarly, imagine MKE, when you think about the fact that we're a network of organizations, a network of arts organizations and arts institutions, we're the largest arts network in the state. Um, and so how do we align and continue to drive alignment and lead through influence without, because none of these folks are our, they are all independent nonprofits, right? And we are sort of the network holding space for all of them to sort of come together to sort of uh, maximize and amplify their voice. And so our role really, my job is really to align board members, align stakeholders to, towards this mission. And that's been the same work that I was doing for the last five years of Feeding Wisconsin. So I love the fact that you're able to take two very different jobs on the surface and two very different sectors and missions, but tie it together, like make it make sense with your story that you wrap around in terms of your purpose uh, and what drives you to right. both of them. So I'm curious to know, because you're really good at then like articulating your transferable skills into uh, new careers. Uh, is anyone in the audience like, interested in transitioning their current job, moving into a new direction, yeah. So I, I think, you know, all of us might be thinking at some point in our life, like how do we pivot um, the skills that we have, the job that we have into a new direction? How do we like help the world see that we can do something even though we haven't like done it on our resume? So I wanna talk to you a little bit about that because when I looked at the rest of your resume on LinkedIn, you are also um, a former professional chef award-winning screenwriter, a well-reviewed stage director and actor, and I was like, oh my God, that's, that's so eclectic. And then David's response was, you didn't scroll down far enough. There's more. <laughs> uh, sorry, so why don't you fill in the blanks? What did I miss? Yeah, so um, my first job out of college, so I graduated from college with a film degree and a dream. And what I realized was that nobody was handing out six-picture deals, right? And so I started working and I landed in a professional kitchen, and because I was interested and curious and liked to eat, I gained skills really quickly and advanced really, really quickly um, in that, in that uh, restaurant in Harvard Square. Um, and, um, but you didn't necessarily have a passion for food? Like, you didn't no. see yourself being a chef like, nope. for your career? Okay. Nope. Um, this is a true story, and I've, I've told this a couple times now, and people always are surprised when I say it. I literally woke up one, one day that summer and was like, I think I know how to cook. <laughs> um, and I cooked something in the apartment I was living in and I, I tasted it and I was like, it was a pear, seared pear thing with a, like a mustard chutney. And I like went to like my neighbor and I said, does this taste good? Cause I think this tastes good. And they were like, oh wow, this tastes good. And I was like, maybe I can cook. This seems like fun. Um, and so I got a job in the kitchen. This is uh, almost like a, the perfect balance between just pl plain naivete yeah, and self-confidence. Correct. Right. Like I, look, I'm 44 years old. I want to know my 21-year-old person. Like I want to know that person because that person could have done anything, right? Because that person walked into a really great restaurant in Harvard Square and said, you know what? You should hire me. I will bring value to your place. Hmm. I wouldn't, I have no like... I have no ability to do that now, right? Why do you think, why do you say that? Why not? 
Well, you uh, did it, I, but yeah, I, you I, did it by pivoting from, uh, was it Feeding Wisconsin to your current job? I mean, you're... Right, well, I think in that... That took in some that confidence context, to let people sure. know, like, I've never led an arts and culture nonprofit, but I can do it. Well, I think I think that's... You're, you're right. And I would also say, though, that I have a... I went to a performing arts high school, studied film in college. Um, as you noted, I, I tried making it as a, as a writer and a... A stage director and a filmmaker in Los Angeles. So, so this opportunity really brought together sort of a lifelong love of the arts with 15 years of nonprofit leadership. So, it, in some ways, it was like made specifically, or my wife would say that it was made specifically for me. Mm. Um, I think 21 year old me sort of walking in that restaurant and saying, hey, you should hire me, and then having that, that chef mm-hmm. hire me mm-hmm. and, and say, and tell, have him tell me, hey, you have to show up at 5 a.m. in the morning. You have to chop onions. You have to chop carrots. You have to deal with the fact that everybody in this kitchen is going to think you're a jerk, and they're not going to like you. And can you show up? Can you show up and do this work? And the answer was yes, right? Mm-hmm. Like I showed up, made quarter-inch bounoise dice of onions day after day after day, and over time, cooked lunch service. Mm. was able to distinguish myself cooking lunch service, uh, working nasty, terrible doubles for brunch. If you ever go out for brunch, be nice to your people oh, because yeah. they are working overtime for you, right? It is terrible back there. Um, and then by the end of that year I was working in that kitchen, I was, I was the senior chef in that kitchen. They were opening their second restaurant. They were like, hey, do you want to be the chef at this restaurant? And I was kind of like, you know what? I really want to make movies and make plays, so I'm going to move to New York and, and do that. Um, and so the, the, the restaurant life didn't really suit me, right? So I moved to New York, mm-hmm. found out again in but New York. But some good lessons there. So like what I wrote down is a lot of times what you think the job is or the skills that are required not, right. is not what it is. That's I mean, right. really, it just took showing up, just showing up. being consistent, right. some basic fundamental things. But if you do that, you were interested in learning whatever skills you could gain. Even if you didn't aspire to be a, a master chef, you're learning skills, some valuable skills that you can pivot and transition to whatever else next. Whatever it was, that's right. And, and, and so I think along those lines, you know, I landed in New York. Nobody's giving out, like, sick picture deals to, like, make movies in New York. And so I ended up working on Wall Street for a year, which was crazy. Um, yeah, how'd you talk your way into that one? <laughs> I needed a job, right? I needed to work. <laughs> is that your? Um, is that your? I just need a job, and I'm willing to show up. And I'm willing I to show up. I can dice onions. And I'm, 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 I was. So it was, uh, it was an interesting time, right? It was, uh, it was uh, 1999. So, um, the this institutional investment company needed somebody to like to like review proxy voting statements to make sure that that Fortune 500 companies were compliant on Y2K stuff. And so I was able. I was like, I can do that. Um, and so Y2K went off without a hitch, and so I worked myself out of a job because I did it. Yay, right? Um, I solved Y2K. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and built the internet. And built um, the internet, right. You said something really important. Like, you just said, I can do that. And I think a lot of people don't give yourself enough credit for it. And I don't mean to be sexist, but I think women in particular, if we haven't done it, we don't think we can do it. And I think a lot of people forget the fact that no one has done it the first time they've done it. And so give yourself credit to go ahead and jump in and assume that you can figure it out uh, because everyone else applying for the job hasn't necessarily done it either. So why do you have to have 
mastered it before you threw your hat in the ring for something. I, I, th I might be, this might be a spoiler alert for one of the questions you might be asking a little later, but like the thing that, that, I've, that I would say that I've learned is that, or as somebody who hires, rather I should say now, I'm not looking after, I'm not looking for the resume that fits the job, right? I'm looking for a person who's interested, who's curious, and who can learn. Yeah. Um, I don't care what you've done, I, w I care about what you're gonna do in the future. Um, and if yeah. you come and you can prove that to me, you're gonna, you're gonna come work for us. Yeah, so it, it seems like it's taken you a while to find yourself, right? You've, um, <laughs> you, it was kind of like a, a dance between wanting to pursue your passion in the creative arts, might not have been practical, then you just got a practical job to pay the bills, and um, like, did that work for you? Did you feel some disappointment when your passion for pursuing the arts may not have worked out? Did you feel like you sort of settled into careers? Like, how yeah, did you no, eventually like build a career that that's you feel question. fulfilled by? Um, so I was out in Los Angeles uh, trying to, I wrote a couple screenplays, won a couple awards, nothing got made, sold a couple things, still nothing got made, um, and the money ran out. And so I had to start working, right? And so I landed in a part-time job at the Jewish Federation of Greater Los Angeles doing as a government relations associate. Didn't go to school for government relations, didn't do political science, but again, the, the characteristic, which was I was interested, curious, and I could solve problems made me valuable, right? So they gave me this job, I learned how to do it, and I was, as I was saying to somebody um, earlier this week, in some ways my arts education was helpful in that way, right? Because um, I studied acting in high school at a performing arts high school, and so in some ways, I sort of attacked that job as, can you learn a role, right? Like, mm. I have a role to learn doing this thing, and I can just go out and do it. Um, and I did it, and it was great, and in the, in the evening time, I would still like uh, try to make movies or, 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 or write scripts or, or make theater. Um, and the moment, Beth, was when in 2008, when the banking crisis happened, the Jewish Federation of Greater Los Angeles began seeing um, their mid-level donors show up at the food pantry that uh, they oh. invested in. Oh. And so um, at that point, I was hmm. the special projects person there. And so they were like, this is a special project. You, can you build an initiative to fight hunger in Los Angeles for us? And so I was like, sure. Again, I said yes, right? And so that really brought, for me, this sort of internal and external alignment about what I was doing um, in a sort of what I'd characterize as a straight job, right, in an in a office job. Um, and I realized that I could be, I could create social, I could deliver social impact, do good, while also earn a paycheck. Um, and that was fulfilling in a way that um, similarly making plays was fulfilling. Um, and so that was a revelation. Nobody told me that, right? Because mm. uh, I, all I learned was in college was you got to go make movies. That's what that's your passion. Go do it. Mm -hmm. um, but then I learned that there's this other thing, right? Which is yeah. to help improve cities or improve communities through the work of nonprofits. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that through it all, you haven't been a afraid to try, and you also recognize that you're not stuck with any decision. You make one decision, you can pivot. You can do something else. It doesn't work out. You don't like it. Not a good fit for you at this time. You can just pivot and do something else. That's right. All right. So because a couple people raised their hand and said that they are kind of at a period in their life where they are maybe thinking of how did you reinvent yourself or maybe redirect your skill set into another career, a couple things I heard you say that were very important, and I want you to fill in the blanks. Um, 
just uh, a willingness to be change agile, have curiosity, a certain dose of confidence, just because I haven't done it before. What are all the things that you've learned in the past that you can translate? Um, resiliency, what other advice would you give people who are looking to like reinvent themselves into a new career path? You know, the, I, I think, I, I have a friend who is a, is, is a music producer and um, his, the thing that he always told me was he does two things really, really well. And so he does it over and over again, but like in different flavors. So when people listen to the songs that he's producing, they don't sound the same. But fundamentally, he's doing the same thing. And so the lesson I got from that, and this is something that, that, that I've um, sort of figured out for me, is know yourself and know what you do well. And don't try to fit into the destination you think you want to go to make sure you know yourself so that when the opportunities come up, um, they'll fit to you, yeah. right? So um, it's, it's, it's the, I think people oftentimes try to reverse engineer it, right? Like we want to figure out what the end destination is. Yes. You got to know where you begin um, and what you bring so that whatever opportunity comes to you, um, you know whether it's right or not right for you. Yeah, I think that's actually so important. And may I add, I think another really important thing that people don't do enough is be brave enough to define success on your own terms, that's right. not what you think other people expect of you. I interview so many people about their career journeys, and I can tell you at a certain point, a common theme among everybody is I was living somebody else's expectations of what I should be doing with my life, and I was never happy. Finally, once I sort of um, took, took the, had the courage to define success in my own terms. I had to make a dramatic change at that point in my career, but I, I was happy. So if only we could just have confidence in following our own path and not living up to other people's expectations. You, you know when you know, right? And I, I, I sort of reflect on a, a conversation my wife and I had a couple years ago where she asked me, she, this is like 10 years ago, just after we moved to Milwaukee, and she said to me, she was like, what do you want to do in 10 years? How, where do you see yourself, right? And I was like, I don't know, but I see myself having super interesting conversations with people about really important things to the city, and we're working together to make the city a better place. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I had no idea what job that was, right? There's no job description for that. Mm -hmm. But I would, I, I would say, like, having spent the last five years of Feeding Wisconsin and the last 120-ish days in this job, for the last five-ish years, like I've been able to do that, right? I've been able to have really interesting conversations with really interesting people about improving communities, whether it's a city, whether it's a, a region or a state. I love whatever. it, I love it, very inspiring. David, I have one last question for you. So in terms of this whole theme of know yourself, know your strengths, follow your own passion, one professional endeavor that you have here is you are third place winner at the 2012 Iowa State Fair Monster Arm Wrestling Tournament. Um, so just explain that on two levels, arm wrestling and Iowa. You have to explain both of those. <laughs> Sure. So again, I think the story is, is really exemplary of the person that you get with me. And I, I've actually gotten to like arguments with people, um, HR professionals, about whether or not I should list that as an accomplishment on my resume. And I, I will go to the line to list it because it, 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 the story exemplifies who you get when you get me, which is somebody who's open to new experiences, down to clown for whatever's, whatever's going on, and, and actually can like win, right? Like, so 
Iowa went on a trip, on a, on a semi-work trip with some colleagues to the Iowa State Fair. We stopped by at the Hobo Festival, the International Hobo Convention in Britt, Iowa. If you haven't been, awesome. Um, so we go to the State Fair, and um, this group of us, we were sort of walking around. We're, we're in our Feeding America. I was at Feeding America National at the time. We were in our Feeding America t-shirts. And um, one, of, one of my colleagues says, um, oh, hey, arm wrestling. And I'm like, let's sign up. And so two of the four of us sign up for the monster arm wrestling tournament. Nobody has any experience. And for the next three hours, we're in this monster arm wrestling tournament. So I was going to say third place is really respectable that you didn't even train for it. No, 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 children? No, 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 no. We were arm wrestling with the best in (laughs) Iowa, right? So so here's here's the story. I lost the first time out. I go up and I'm like, I, I, I think this is a joke, right? So I like turn my hat backwards, like over the top, like the, the old Sylvester Stallone movie, and I'm like, oh, this is super easy. I'm pretty strong, right? Like I can just do this, and the guy kills me, right? He almost breaks my breaks my wrist. Little do I know that there's a losers bracket. If you get through the losers bracket, you get back in, right? Oh. And so the folks in Iowa were so incredible. They took us aside and they were like, "You don't know how to arm wrestle," and we we're like. Yes, we do not know how to arm wrestle. Can you train us because we have another match coming up? And they're like, yes. So here's the trick. You want to arm wrestle like this, right? Which is what you look, what, what you see in the movies. The trick is you need to push up. Mm. So if you push up and you can win that line pushing up and you're strong enough, you can, you can over-lever the other person. Um, and I was like, ah, super smart. So did that. Won the loser's bracket, and then lost going back in, which got us into third place. Uh, you know what? So da- talking to David, you got professional development advice, leadership advice, and, and arm, arm wrestling, wrestling advice. advice. David, thank you so much. It's so my pleasure. David. This was great. Right, thank you. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast with our podcast partner, The Brimful Life with Beth Ridley. For more business news and insights, Be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.